looking to see who's awake and uh, grumpy and you know, the, losing that hour of sleep. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find out who went to bed early. I'm going to watch. I'm going to see how you did. I did. I went to bed early. I feel okay. Hopefully you do too. Uh, hopefully we're going to have a good morning together. Uh, I went to a funeral years ago. And uh, at the funeral, the family had requested a, a particular song that's uh, sung at a lot of different funerals. It's a more modern song called I Can Only Imagine. And if you're familiar with the song, uh, the theme of it is uh, written from a perspective of someone who's imagining what it's going to be like one day when he or she gets to heaven. And there's a couple of phrases in the song uh, that go like this. One is uh, the person's wondering, when I see Jesus, am I going to sing? Am I going to want to sing? Or am I going to be so in awe that I won't even be able to speak. And there's another phrase that says, will I dance? Will I dance for Jesus? Or will I be in such awe uh, that I'll just be completely still? And so this person in the song is just kind of wondering what uh, heaven's going to be like. And imagine that moment when we see Jesus. Well, at this funeral, uh, the song is, like I said, it's sung at a number of funerals. I've heard it before. But the pastor made the decision to change the lyrics in the song, change the lyric about, will I dance for you, Jesus, or in all of you be still? I don't even remember what he changed it to, but he took that lyric out, uh, and the reason he took that lyric out was because this particular pastor believes that dancing is sinful, and that because it's sinful that we're not going to dance in heaven, I guess, I don't know, I'll be prim and proper and stand still, I don't know, but... uh, he, he made that decision based on his conviction that dancing's wrong, and he, and he changed the lyrics of the song when they sang it uh, for, for the funeral. Now, I, I would say that I absolutely get that, you know, there's not going to be bumping and grinding in heaven, right? I get that. That's, I think we can all agree that's not, that's not going to happen. But I, I, would, I would wonder, I would wonder, when we don't have a sinful nature, right? When we're in heaven, we don't have a sinful nature, and we're really able to finally worship uh, the way we should worship, you know, without worrying about who's around us and what are they going to think if I get a little too enthusiastic with my worship. You know, some people worry about that kind of stuff. When that's gone and we don't have a sinful nature anymore, I, I, I tend to think that we're probably going to have some pretty enthusiastic worship, that we might be pretty excited about our worship when we see Jesus. Uh, and how that's going to express itself, I'm not exactly sure, but... Uh, I do kind of think that it'll be enthusiastic and, and exciting. But I do get the tension. I mean, I understand that there are definitely, there are forms of dancing that are obviously sinful, right? And we don't need to go into them. Uh, but there are forms of dancing that I think we would put into that category of something that would not please God. And I, I also would say, biblically, you know, that there's places, if, if I'm concerned about my Christian testimony, if I'm concerned about what other people think about me as a follower of Jesus, there are places, there are settings and environments that I shouldn't be in uh, because it would communicate uh, something other than following Jesus matters to me. Right? So I, I understand the tension there. Uh, but what about something like, you know, we're coming up on prom season, right? And uh, what about the prom, right? You've got secular music and you've got dancing and there are Christians who have come to the conclusion, prom's off limits, uh, for our students because of uh, these, these types of issues. And maybe that's not an issue for you. Uh, that, uh, that question, this is the first time it's ever even been brought up as a, is this right, is it wrong? You're like, you never even thought of it in those terms. 
Uh, it was for, for my family growing up. Whenever I was a teenager, this was a question that I can remember sitting at our kitchen table with my parents having this discussion. You know, uh, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, is, is it possible that I could go to the prom uh, with, well, my girlfriend at the time wound up being my wife, but I didn't know that at the time, right? Uh, that doesn't always happen. But regardless, is, can you go to a, something like the prom as a Christian and, and sin? Yeah. Uh, is it possible to go and not sin? Well, that was the debate. That was the question that we were trying to figure out together as a family. In fact, at that particular time, uh, that was uh, kind of a hot-button issue for a lot of churches, trying to wrestle through that question to the point where a number of churches offered alternative events for their students uh, where their Christian students could go to this event where you'd get dressed up, you'd go out to eat, they'd have all these kind of fun things they would do. Uh, they would basically have everything except for you know, the secular music and, and the dancing. And, uh, and they were fairly well attended. Um, and you know, So it was a question. It was a question that, uh, that my family, I know, uh, was trying to wrestle through whenever I was a teenager. And, and maybe for you, that this is the first time you ever even considered that as a, as a question. I don't know. Uh, but maybe there's other questions that you have felt the tension over as a follower of Jesus of uh, something that's right, something that's wrong, uh, and then you know, there's maybe not clarity in Scripture and you're not sure what to do with it, or there's just differing opinions. Maybe you had parents that had certain limits. Maybe you had parents that had set certain boundaries for you when you were growing up, and you just didn't understand. You didn't understand uh, why they had set that limit, or you didn't maybe even agree with the boundary that they had set. You know, that happens. Maybe you uh, were part of, of a church at some time in your life where it just seemed like they were always kind of adding to the list of wrong things, right? Here's another thing that's wrong. And, and as you're listening to that, there were times when you're just like, I don't really see the connection between what you're saying and what the Bible teaches. I'm trying, uh, but I don't get the correlation. And uh, it just seems like you're making lists of uh, do's and don'ts here. And uh, maybe you just didn't, didn't see the connection. Maybe, maybe you were brought up to believe that certain things are wrong. That's what your parents taught you. And uh, maybe they tried to base it in the Bible. Maybe they didn't. But there are certain things that you look at now because you, you were brought up to believe that this is, uh, this whatever it is, is wrong. And, uh, and then there are other Christians, now that you're an adult, now there are other Christians who have a different conclusion on that. And, uh, and you struggle. You, it's not that you want to look at them with uh, distaste but, or, or condescension in, in your attitude towards them, but you look at them and they do something uh, that you look at as wrong, as out of bounds, and you think, well, they're a pretty lousy Christian because they've come to a different conclusion on this activity uh, than me. And it's like you don't want to feel that way about them, but, but you feel that tension. So these things kind of, uh, there's a myriad, I guess, of, of situations where we're trying to figure out as followers of believer what's right, what's wrong, what do we do with the, the disagreements? What do we do when there's not clarity? You know, I have uh, three baskets up here, and I, I have these just as a visual for us to kind of think through some of these questions. Because there are questions, uh, or there are activities, or behaviors, or attitudes that we know. Now, we know it's black basket, 
It's wrong. It's sinful. There's no question. We're not going to get disagreement in the room about murder, right? We're not going to get disagreement in the room uh, about adultery. There's not an excuse for that. Uh, it's wrong. It's, it's, it's hurtful to people, and it's, uh, it's something that God has said is off limits, right? There are things that we know for sure as followers of Christ we can put in the black basket with no disagreement. And there are other things in life where we, we can all agree it's going to go in this white basket. These are things that are just always right. It's always right to love people. Uh, it's always right to be kind and, and generous. It's, it's always right to uh, desire to honor God. Uh, with with our choices and you know you can put certain things that you just always know it's the right decision in in that basket and there are there are things like that but then there's the the gray basket and the gray basket for us this morning represents those things that we have questions maybe there's not great clarity in scripture over a particular matter and so you have some Christians that have come to one conclusion about it you have other Christians love Jesus, who've come to a different conclusion about it, uh, or maybe there's confusion uh, about a particular issue uh, or, or disagreement or whatever. And, and so those things, those things happen, and they're like what I would call gray basket issues. And I think one of the most common ones in our culture, uh, in today's uh, Christian world, in today's culture, uh, one of the most common things that gets put into the gray basket is how do we handle the issue of alcohol? How do we handle that? Uh, because you do have Christians that have come to the conclusion that uh, it's, it's abstinence, it's, it's off limits. And you have other Christians that have come to a different conclusion that it's uh, done within moderation and it's not, that it's not wrong. Now, as Christians, right, black basket, we would all agree, getting drunk, we would put in the black basket, right? Because the scripture is very clear on that, uh, that drunkenness is sinful, right? So we can put that in the black basket with no disagreement, but how do we handle the issue of uh, the, the glass of wine with dinner? How do we handle the, the question of whether it's uh, acceptable to have a beer at the ball game, whether it's acceptable uh, to have a drink at the wedding reception? Right? You're going to have disagreements among Christians who love Jesus uh, over issues like that. You have other things like uh, clothing choices, right? We would, as Christians, agree that the Scripture teaches us that modesty, right, immodest clothing, black basket, right? We need to be modest in our, in our dress. But then you've got over here questions like, well, who gets to pick what's modest? Who gets to set the standard for what is modest and immodest, right? What, where's the line for that? And who gets to make those choices? Certain kinds of music. One of the things I was thinking about, uh, the, the dancing in heaven thing or whatever, uh, pretty sure, you know, I don't have a Bible verse I can go to and show you this, but I'm pretty sure there's not line dancing in heaven. Pretty sure that's not going to be there. Why? Because God hates country music. No, he doesn't. I'm just, that's a joke. I'm just I'm joking. But... Country, country music, uh, there's some stuff that's, you know, kind of fun to listen to, or in, you know, in the secular world, you know, the oldies. You know, my, I don't understand why, but my son, who is 16 years old, when we get in the car, likes to turn the Elvis channel on in my car, and it drives me up a wall because it's terrible. I hate, I hate that genre of, of music, and maybe you love it, right? And it's not, a lot of it's not bad. Uh, it's just, 
it's just a different style of music. And for some reason, he's, he's got issues and likes that kind of stuff. Bad parenting, probably. I don't know. But it can't be all that. Now, I know people like that, uh, the different styles of music. But, my, uh, but there are songs, right? There are songs that, uh, as a follower, they shouldn't be on my playlist. They're, no matter uh, if you're talking about oldies or you know, rap or pop or whatever, there are songs, the language or the subject matter, it just shouldn't be on my playlist. It's not something I need to have going into my brain. Uh, but not all secular music uh, is necessarily from the pit of hell either. Right? There's some just it's just music. Uh, but you'll have people that will have a different conclusion on that. You'll have some Christians that say, "No, it's all off limits. You only listen to K Love, and and uh, you only listen, and that's fine." Uh, but you just have different. You know, it's a gray basket question for people. Smoking and, and chewing tobacco. Right? There's some Christians that, uh, that no, that's, that's completely out of bounds, and then others, they'll question and kind of push back. Well, then is it, isn't it just the same thing as your addiction to coffee, right? which I, I have, uh, I need coffee in the morning. And so they'll push back and they'll say, well, it's you know, the it's, it's same as your addiction to coffee. And you'll have these, these discussions about that. Uh, here's, here's a question that's coming. If you haven't already had this discussion, you will have this discussion, especially if you've got uh, kids and grandkids coming up uh, through um, junior high, high school within the next 10 years, you're going to be having these conversations about marijuana. Uh, marijuana uh, in a lot of uh, states is legal, and it's, it's not long till recreational marijuana is going to be legal, most likely even here in Pennsylvania. So what do we do with that? As, uh, as Christian parents, those are conversations we're going to need to have because uh, students are going to ask the question, if it's legal, what's the problem? Right? And so you're going to have to be able to engage in that conversation uh, and have good answers, have good answers for your conclusions. How about this one? How about gambling? Uh, there's not a specific verse in Scripture that you could go to that would prohibit gambling in the same way that you would go to a Scripture verse that would prohibit murder and adultery and things like that. Uh, but there are biblical principles throughout Scripture that talk about greed, that talk about uh, people that are trying to earn money uh, in, in a fast way, that they're just going to lead themselves into problems, uh, the love of money. There's, there, there are verses in principle that you could apply to that, uh, that issue uh, that, it would, that would say that it's unwise, that it could lead into sin. Um, but the conclusion that you come to, then you can apply to things like, okay, what do I do with, with lottery tickets, all right? Is it wrong to buy a, a lottery ticket? It's benefiting older uh, Pennsylvanians, right? We love older Pennsylvanians. Uh, I don't know what they do with the money. I don't know how they help older Pennsylvanians, but whatever. Uh, or 50-50 tickets, you know, you go uh, to different events and they have 50-50 tickets. Is that wrong or is it okay because you're helping out a, a good cause, right? These are questions that that Christians find oftentimes in their, in their gray basket. In the black basket, we would, as a Christian, we would say you know, that, that sex outside of marriage, uh, we would put in our black basket, right? Uh, but, you know, since, uh, the, since puberty, right, the, the question starts to get asked, well, how far is too far? Okay, so the line is sex before marriage, okay, we'll put that in the black basket, but how far can I go? 
Well, is it holding hands okay? Is it okay that I kiss? You know, where's the line? And there's a questions that people, that people will ask. Uh, how, about, uh, how about things like yoga, meditation? Uh, maybe you've never even thought through that, uh, but those things have roots, have ties uh, into uh, Hinduism and Buddha, uh, Buddhism. Uh, and so uh, is it possible to uh, be part of yoga and meditation and not be part of Hinduism, Buddhism? Probably, but where's the line? Where's the line? Uh, and are you even thinking through that line of what's acceptable and what's, what's not? You're really hoping I'm going to give you some answers, aren't you? Uh, to some of these things. Like, oh, yeah, I didn't think so. How about, how about this one? Games and books and movies uh, that have to do with witchcraft and the occult. Now, as a Christian, we would put witchcraft and things of the occult, we put that in our black basket, right? The Bible's very clear. Don't have any, you know, don't be involved in witchcraft. Don't be involved in the occult, black basket. Uh, but what about uh, the, our entertainment choices that, uh, that that's the theme, right? Uh, I'm a, you know, I've seen all the Star Wars movies, uh, and there's a, there's a heavy influence of Eastern... Uh, religion in, in the Star Wars movies. A lot of people like uh, Harry Potter. I'm not going to you know, take you out in the parking lot and fight you over the whole thing, but I mean, it's, it's one of those things where th- that's the central theme. For, this is, I can remember this conversation with my mom. And uh, not about Harry Potter because that wasn't around, but remember the Smurfs? Remember the Smurfs? It's a cartoon. And my mom was really upset that I, as a child, was watching the Smurfs. Remember Gargamel? I mean, Gargamel was like a warlock or whatever he was, making spells and potions to kill all the Smurfs. And that really bothered her that I was watching a cartoon that had a main character in it that was like a witch or a warlock or something. Like, you know, I get that. You know, these are questions. These are questions that Christians are asking. Uh, how about this one? What do, you, what do you do or don't do on a Sunday? Uh, is it okay to work on a Sunday? We have, you know, honor the Sabbath. See, you know, honor the Sabbath, don't work on a Sunday. Okay, well, what, does that mean I can only have a job that, uh, that doesn't, does, doesn't work on Sundays? Am I sinning if I, and you're like, well, you know, you think of a pastor, you only work one day a week, and that's the day you pick to work, and it's on a Sunday? Well, you're not a very spiritual leader for us, right? Uh, these are, these are questions, can I, mow, can I mow the yard on, on a Sunday? These are questions that people sometimes ask. And uh, there's more, all right? I, I gave you quite a list there, and now your head's spinning, and you're hoping I'm going to bring clarity, and to a point I am. Uh, but the, the question that I really hope that we can get to is how do we handle those questions? How do we handle gray basket questions? How do we, how do we walk through those and come to biblical conclusions that would honor God? If you think about what this whole series is about, uh, this series is about learning how to apply God's wisdom to our everyday lives so that our lives can be better. And certainly God has a lot of wisdom for us, I think, uh, in His Word to help us figure out. The letter to the Corinthian church uh, had a lot of questions, and some of them were gray basket questions. So, Here's where we're going to go. I'm going to ask if you would open your Bibles up to 1 Corinthians chapter 8, and we're going to take a look at some of the gray basket questions that the early church in Corinth was wrestling with and asking Paul for help in answering. If you go to chapter 8, verse 1, there's, uh, there's a question that is asked of Paul, and he's 
over the next three chapters going to answer that question. Starts out in, in chapter 8, verse 1. He responds to this question that they had asked. He said, okay, so now about food, sacrifice to idols. And so it's a question uh, that you and I aren't thinking about necessarily in today's world, in, in America. This isn't a question uh, of, they were, they were wanting to know, is it okay to eat food that has been sacrificed or uh, used in a pagan temple ceremony, and then it's sold in the market, is it okay for us to eat that food? And, you know, it's, it's a question that we don't automatically relate to because when you and I go to the grocery store and we buy chicken and, and hamburg and steak, we're not thinking in the back of our minds, boy, I wonder if the farmer who killed this you know, took it down to the Temple of Doom first and did some weird ceremony thing with it first. We're not, we're not thinking in those terms because that's not how things are done in America. Now, it does happen in other places. It does happen in Thailand. It does happen in Haiti. It does happen in places in Africa. So there are places in the world that are still dealing with that question. Uh, but the Corinthian church was working through this question. They're asking, is it okay to eat this meat if it was associated with if it uh, was used to participate in a pagan idol worship. Everyone agreed that idol worship is a black basket issue. Worshiping idols, wrong. Right? God's very clear on that. So there wasn't a disagreement over that. Uh, but some of the questions that they were uh, wanting to know, what if, my friend, what if my friend invites me over to his house and for a barbecue and we're having burgers on the grill and in that particular time, the, the meat you buy in the market, nine times out of ten, that's what happened. That's where it came from. It came from some pagan uh, temple ceremony, and then it's sold in the market. So it's a, a real high chance that that burger on the grill was associated in that, in that way uh, with idol worship. And their question is, if I go to a friend's house and that's what they're serving, is it okay for me to eat that? I didn't buy it. Uh, is, is that okay? And... Uh, you know, or should I, should I show up with, you know, my own tofu soy burgers, you know, in a cooler, and I, you know, can you put these on the grill for me? Uh, what, can, I, can I go to the market and buy burger for myself? Uh, or is that wrong? Do I, do I have to be a vegetarian in order to be a good Christian? These are the questions that they, they were asking. And then uh, later on, they're asking questions about social gatherings themselves. A lot of the social gatherings, whether you went to a wedding or just a community event, uh, they, would, they would have these social gatherings uh, in the community building uh, uh, connected to the temple. The pagan temple would have you know, a fellowship, not a fellowship hall, but you know, a gathering hall. And, uh, and they would have wedding receptions there and uh, community uh, events. They had really nothing to do with any idol uh, pagan worship ceremonies, but you were, you were at the temple. And they're wondering, can we go to that? Is that wrong to go to the, 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 the temple uh, social hall? Is, is that wrong for a Christian uh, to, to go to that event? Now, the people uh, in the church, there's, there's disagreement, right? There's people in the church that want to put those things in the white basket and say, yeah, it's, it's okay to do that because, here's their argument. Their argument is the idol isn't real. The idol isn't real. It's a false god. It doesn't really, it's wood and it's metal and it's not real. It doesn't exist. So, uh, if they take this animal and they sacrifice it to something that isn't real, nothing happened. 
Nothing magical, no magical curse got put on this meat because the idol's not real. And they would apply that same logic then to going to the, the, the gathering hall of, of the, the pagan temple. These idols aren't real, therefore this is just a building. That idol that they have, there's nothing magical about it. It's, not, it's a false god. And so uh, it's just another building, and so it's not, it's not a problem. As long as you're not participating in the idol worship, not a problem. White basket. On the other side, you've got Christians in that church that were saying, no, 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 uh, you're not thinking about this the right way. When you eat meat that's been sacrificed in a pagan temple ceremony, you are indirectly participating in that pagan ceremony by condoning it, by saying it's not a big deal, by saying just by your uh, participation in, in not abstaining from it, you're saying it's okay to uh, sacrifice animals to these, uh, to these pagan idols. And, you know, there's demonic influences involved in these pagan worship things. And so it's just wrong. Uh, we should have nothing to do with demonic influences. Uh, we need to think about our testimony. We need to think about, uh, we, we need to be different from our culture, right? These are, this is the argument uh, that some in the church were saying, no, this is a black basket. This is a black basket issue. And you listen to these arguments, and from where we are in 2020 in America, we're able to listen to those arguments and say, okay, I, I see your point. I understand what you're saying, because we don't have a dog in the fight, right? We're able to uh, come to this particular issue and, and listen carefully and say, okay, I, I can see both sides of, of this issue um, because we're not emotionally attached to it. What happens uh, with a lot of the issues that I brought up earlier if you got a dog in the fight, suddenly uh, you bring your emotion, you bring your own personal desires, we all do, into that issue, and it can be a lot harder, uh, if we're not careful, uh, to come to a biblical conclusion because our personal preferences often taint uh, our desire to actually get to what God uh, would say about a particular issue. So my point is it's, it's not an easy thing. So how do we handle gray basket questions? Ours, ours are going to be different from theirs in Corinth. But I think Paul offers some really good wisdom that we're going to look at this morning that we can apply to gray basket issues in, in our lives. So I want you to think of the gray basket not just as a container. I want you to think of this gray basket this morning as a filter, a filter that we can use, that we take our, our questions on uncertainty, our questions that we have disagreements over, and we use it as a filter to figure out uh, what is right and what is wrong. So here's how we're going to do that. Uh, I'm going to take you to uh, the end of chapter 10. We're going to start there. We're going to go to the end of chapter 10. Verse, chapters 8, 9, and 10 is where Paul answers this question. And I'm going to take you right to the conclusion, take you right to the end here. Verse 31 says, Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do it all for the glory of God. So the first part of our filter of how do we figure out how to answer these questions, we ask ourselves, is this going to, is this going to honor God? It's a great place to start. Is my decision, is my behavior, is whatever I do with this, is it going to bring glory and honor to God? Early on in, in chapter uh, 10, verses 7, 8, 9, he starts to talk about some behaviors that are off limits. 
And he's challenging them, don't use your freedom to sin. Don't use, God's given you freedom of choice. Don't use that freedom uh, to make sinful choices. In verse 7, he talks about idolatry. And in their context, that had a lot to do with actual idols, you know, little, little statues or whatever. But in our context today, uh, idolatry can be a lot of things. Idolatry is, is anything that we put above God, anything that uh, we worship in a sense where we give our heart and attention more to than we do to God. Uh, materialism, I think, is a big one that we struggle with in America when it comes to idolatry. Uh, we struggle with, with materialism, wanting more and more and more, that it's never enough. Even Christians, we struggle with that. And, uh, and, and so we come to this you know, freedom issue. I have the right to buy whatever I want. I have the freedom to buy whatever I want. It's my money, it's my decision, and I'll buy what I want. And yeah, I can buy whatever car you want, buy whatever house you want, spend the money on whatever vacation you want. Yeah, you have the freedom to spend that money however you want. But where we cross lines then, if we, if we think about the filter, how do I honor God? God does want us to honor Him with our, with our money. And so we talk about offerings and tithes, you know, giving to God first. Uh, we can talk about a life of generosity, not just thinking about my own needs, but the needs of others. Am I being generous? Uh, do I have enough margin in my budget to be generous to other people, or is life all about me? Uh, do I have, have I crossed the line in, in that uh, the only thing I think about when it comes to money is my pleasure? And the only thing I think about is, is uh, more stuff and how, how can I spend it to benefit me? And not, so there's lines where we, use, we can use our freedom uh, in a way that's, that's not, honoring, not honoring to God. Another one would be in verse 8, he talks about sexual immorality. You know, people... People today, they make fun of the Duggars. I don't know if you're familiar with the Duggars or not. They have like 800 kids or whatever. And they, uh, they, as they're getting older, they're dating. You know, their teenagers are dating. And so they have these really strict uh, boundary lines. And they're like, uh, they send one of the little Duggars along on their dates. And, and there's always uh, you know, a little Dugger running around with the ones who are dating. And uh, you know, I, don't, I don't remember if allowed to hold hands. I don't know where all the boundary lines are for them, but I do know that I've seen in the culture they get made fun of for having these guardrails when it comes to their dating relationships. And, uh, and, and people will say, well, there's, there's not, nothing in the Bible that says you can't hold hands. Well, yeah, that's true. Um, and I don't, have, I don't have an argument with that, uh, but I think there is wisdom in trying to figure out where are the boundary lines. I think there is wisdom uh, in having guardrails in our relationships because it's a lot better to bump into a guardrail than to, than to, than to run full off the cliff and find yourself uh, in places where you, it's like, man, how did I, how did I get here? Right? It's, it's better to have some guardrails in your life, however you set those up. Verse 10, he talks about grumbling. He talks about complaining. And we might say, well, we've got the freedom to be open and honest with God. We have the freedom... Uh, to share with him our hurts and our concerns and our worries and our fears. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Uh, but we have to be sure that we're not taking that freedom to a point where uh, we are making an excuse for ourselves to think that God somehow owes me something more than what he's provided or being uh, kind of irritated with, with God, thinking that, uh, he has, you know, that I'm not satisfied with what with what he has provided. We can, cross, we can cross some lines there, and we have to be careful with how we use our, our freedom. So when it comes to a question of right and wrong, and we're not exactly sure about uh, 
what does the Bible actually teach? There's maybe not as much clarity there as we would like, or there's just different conclusions. One of the first places that we can start to filter out the answer to this question, does it honor God? Is my decision going to bring honor and glory to God? And what that does is it gets our thinking off of ourselves and what do I want, what are my preferences, and it repositions our thoughts towards what does God think about this. And that's going to help us make better decisions if we're thinking in terms of what can I do, what what should I do that's going to honor and bring glory to God. Here's the next one. Uh, In chapter 8, verse 9, chapter 8, verse 9, he says, be careful, so that you, be careful so that your freedom does not cause others to stumble. If others see you with your superior, he puts it in quotes, superior knowledge, right? the people that say it's not a big deal because the idols aren't real, you know, he's addressing that group. He said, if people see that, uh, see you eating uh, in the temple of an idol, won't they be encouraged to violate their conscience, people that do think it's wrong? Uh, by eating food that's been offered to an idol. So because of your superior knowledge, a weak believer for whom Christ died will be destroyed. And when you sin against other believers by encouraging them to do something that they believe is wrong, you sin against Christ. So Paul's conclusion is, what if, if what I eat causes another believer to sin, I'll never eat meat again as long as I live. Why? Why would he be willing to give up his own freedom? to do something that he doesn't have a problem with. He says, I don't want to cause another believer to stumble. Chapter 10, in verse 23, he says something similar. He says, you say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. And then he says this, don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. So the next part of that filter, we want to know, okay, does this honor God? Am I going to bring glory to God through this decision? And the next part of the filter is, how will my freedom, how will my choice affect other people? Specifically here, another, another believer. Is this going to benefit someone's faith? Is this going to build someone's faith up? Or is this going to harm or tear someone's faith down? And what that does is it helps me, again, think about other people and how my behaviors and my choices impact them, not just myself. You, you may not have a problem with a particular behavior, but Paul's saying you need to be mindful. You need just to be mindful of other people and have some consideration towards them. You might come across someone that sees your behavior, and uh, they're not as strong as a believer as you are and they don't yet have the guardrails or the understanding of of how far to take something, and then they wind up uh, making some poor choices. Uh, And and, and Paul's point is, you just need to be considerate of of others. I think it's interesting that Paul does address those who think it's wrong to eat meat, and he explains to them why it's not. I think that's interesting because it's not that Paul is saying the person who is offended by everything is the one who gets to set the standards for everything that's right and wrong. That's not his point. Uh, his point is, if I love someone, I'm going to be considerate of, of them and some of the conclusions that they've come to. Say, our friend Festus, Uncle Festus, has a really hard stance on alcohol. We'll go back to that issue. He's like total abstinence on alcohol, and he's really kind of uh, set in that mindset about it, and it would upset him. 
uh, to know that someone that he loved or cared about uh, had a different opinion. Okay, so there might be some really good reasons why Festus has come to that conclusion, right? It's possible that maybe uh, he had an addiction in the past that Jesus has delivered him from, and he just knows the dangers of it, and he doesn't want to see others go through that, and so he's really got a hard stance on it. Or maybe he had a, a, a father that was, a, was an alcoholic, and he was mean and violent, and he wants no part of it. Maybe his daughter was killed by a drunk driver, right? There, there's there's a, 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 probably a legitimate reason why Festus has come to this conclusion. And Paul's point is just you need to be considerate of that when you're with Festus. You need to love him enough to know that this is something that bothers him uh, and, and love him enough to be considerate towards that conclusion. I think that makes our lives better when we love each other well enough to be considerate of one another. Here we go. Last one. So we want to honor God with a decision. We want to think about other believers and uh, not just about ourselves. And then go back to chapter 9, verse 19. Here's the third part of the filter. Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people. Why? To bring many to Christ. When I was with Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I'm not subject to the law, and I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I'm with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. I don't ignore the law of God, I obey the law of Christ. When I'm with those who are weak, I share in their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. Do you, do you hear the heart of why Paul is making certain decisions on what he's going to do and what he's not going to do? It has to do with the gospel. It has to do with wanting to be able to uh, share the gospel. He says the same thing in chapter 10, verse 32. He says, don't give offense to the Jews. Don't give offense to the Gentiles. Uh, he says, I try to please everyone and everything that I do, I love this. He said, I don't just do what is best for me. And if, if you heard nothing, like if you tuned me out at the very beginning when I started talking about some of these issues, and like, ah, if you would just leave with that, I would be thrilled. If you would just walk out of here saying that one verse is something I need to work on, that I don't just think of what's best for me, I do what's best for others. And if, if you and I, if, if we could work on that thing alone, and we will be farther along in, in our walk with Christ and just who we are as, as men and women. He says, I, I don't just do what's best for me. I do what is best for others. Why? So that they may be saved. That's Paul's heart. And he's asking the question. He's challenging, I think, us to ask the question, how, can, how am I using my freedom to help others understand the gospel? How am I using my freedom to help me share the gospel with others. That's what Paul wanted to use his freedom to help win other people to Jesus. And I just, I guess I'm going to ask you to think through, is that the question that you ask? Is that even on your radar when you're trying to figure out what to do with the stuff in this basket? Are you asking the question of what you should or shouldn't do? You know, even if you feel like you have the spiritual freedom to do it, are you asking, is this going to help me share my faith or is this going to be a hindrance to me sharing my faith? a great question to ask. I think if we asked that before we did anything, right? If we, 
no matter what it is, is this going to help my testimony? Is this going to hurt my testimony? I'm, I, I tell people I'm a follower of Jesus. And as a follower of Jesus, my life's supposed to be transformed by His resurrection power. I'm supposed to look different. All right, so is this decision enforcing that truth and that reality? Or is it hindering it and, and telling a different story? So really the gray basket filter is about helping us think about God, helping us think about others rather than just ourselves. And that's really what the gospel is. And living out the gospel is about uh, remembering that Jesus Christ was willing to sacrifice himself for us. And his resurrection power is there to transform our lives. And so if, if we really believe that, uh, then we're to pattern our lives after his sacrificial uh, example and care about others more than we care about ourselves. That's living out the gospel message that Jesus uh, not only sacrificed his life for us, but also has the power and his resurrection power to change our lives. So if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you want to live a Jesus-centered life, yeah, there's definitely things that we know go in the white basket. There's things that we know go in the black basket. But when it comes to the things that are less clear, when it comes to things that maybe good Christians who love Jesus and they disagree over their conclusions, if we can learn to use the gray basket as a filter of wisdom that we can apply to those situations and those places of uncertainty by asking, is this going to bring glory to God? Is this going to help build someone's faith or is this going to tear someone's faith apart? Is this going to help me uh, win more people to Jesus? Is this going to help me share the gospel or is this going to do harm to that? If we're asking those questions about God and about others rather than what is best for me, if we learn to use the gray basket in that way, our lives are going to be better. It may not be easier because that, that takes time, effort, thought, prayer, conversations that are awkward. It may not be easier, but it's going to be better because we're going to have more confidence to know that we're bringing honor and glory to God and that we're actually helping other people uh, in, in, in not just thinking about ourselves. Okay. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you so much for your love, your kindness, your grace in our lives. And uh, there are a lot of questions that as believers, you know, we want to get right. I, I do believe that um, that those in this room, they, they, they do have a desire uh, to want to please you. And sometimes, sometimes our desire to please ourselves does get in the way. And we're just asking uh, that you would help us manage that better, that you would help us, uh, that you would strip out the selfishness from our heart and the pride from our heart so that that uh, the only thing that's really left there is a desire to honor you, bring glory to you, uh, share our faith with others, and build uh, those who have trusted Christ to build their faith, that we are thinking about others more than ourselves. Teach us to do that, Lord. Uh, strip out that selfish mindset uh, from, from our hearts. And uh, we're just asking, God, that you will work in our lives this week and however you see fit. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. God bless you. Hope you have a great day.